Target is. <clears throat> and some guys know where the UPS hub is. So <clears throat> it's across from that, uh, 41st Avenue. Uh, so behind Target. And um, we'll be there next Sunday. So next Sunday we'll be there. Um, continued prayer. Thank you for Ukraine and the missionaries. And, and uh, we are meeting as trustees today. We have a meeting there at the new building and be discussing a little bit how we can help as a church there get resources to them uh, right on the ground. And so I know many of you have been talking about that and how we can help. Um, so, and then also uh, Angie Ellis uh, mentioned that pretty much most all of you should have gotten an updated kind of like a handout, little uh, uh, info uh, brochure about the church. It's updated with our <clears throat> new address and kind of a, an invite card and a little QR code, so it is, and we're getting pretty fancy here. Hey, this is something you could give to somebody, invite to the new church, and uh, there's uh, some information about that in here, so that's what that's for, amen? amen? All right, well, let's take a moment and pray. I do kind of have a message I want to share uh, this morning, and also I want to welcome uh, those that are uh, online. Are we online yet, or I don't know if I don't see the camera. Yes, it's a thumbs up. Okay, I don't see that on. Okay, we're good. She says we're good. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness to your people, Lord. These 15 plus years, week in and week out, <clears throat> the preaching and teaching of the gospel, your word, the strengthening of the believers, the challenging of us all, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit here in this place. And we thank you, Father God, right now, even in this moment, Lord, that your Spirit continues to descend upon your people. Lord, that corporate anointing, I thank you, Lord. I humble myself before you, and Lord, I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of your Spirit, let me share and declare your heart today to your people it's in Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. I want to just kind of bring a close to, it was a very brief two-week series here about thinking differently. This is the second week, thinking differently, and kind of the why we serve God, why we serve God, kind of part two, and really this message is to give us a challenge, to challenge us all to think from heaven's perspective about our life. How many see that? Say amen. Thinking heavenly, and my text has been in Romans 12. Uh, verse 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep. Somebody shall keep. Keeping something. How many of you know that if you don't keep something, protect something, you can lose it? Some of you are looking for some stuff right now that you lost. Where did I put that? Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. One commentary says, work hard, work diligently. Don't be lazy. Can I get an amen? But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And then in Matthew 25, 40, Jesus said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I have a quote by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and actually he was a lecturer and a poet and was from Concord, Mass., and I used to work in Concord, Mass. I would commute from the South Shore up to the North Shore. It was horrible. I don't want to remember that time. Boston traffic, <clears throat> but uh, I worked there in a dry cleaning plant in the summer of 1993, and it was a beautiful, beautiful community, and he has this quote. He said, it is one of the most beautiful compensations of life, 
that no man can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. So true. So how do we serve God? We serve God by what? Serving others. How many of you know that Jesus even stooped so low to wash the disciples' feet? Come on now, right? I mean, you know, we talk about being great, and everyone today in this day wants to be noticed and wants to be seen and wants to get more views and more hits and, you know, more people to follow them. And, but Jesus had the opposite mindset, and he, he humbled himself and even to the point of suffering and dying on the cross for you and I. In Matthew 25, 40, the Bible speaks about the parable of the sheep and the goats. And, and Jesus said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Another translation says it this way. Whenever you did it for any of my people, no matter how unimportant they seemed, are you awake this morning? You did it for me. I want to serve God. I want to, when you do caring, loving, life-giving things for other people, you are ministering Christ to others. And that is Christ who you're ministering to. That's what Jesus is saying. So when you do something that makes someone else's life better in some way, you are serving the Lord. Can you say amen? And so last week we talked about gratitude and we talked about serving the Lord. And I challenged each and every one of us that you know, ask yourself, okay, where are you serving today? Are you serving in some capacity his body, serving his church, serving his people? And I also preface too that what is amazing about this church body is that 80% of the people in this church body serve. That is an amazing amount. It's not that way, and, and, and sadly, in many churches. And so you're, you're grabbing a hold of it. You have that spirit. But just think about this. What if only 80% of your body worked every day? Come on, somebody. We need, some of you, we need 110%, you know? I need a little bit more. But if only 80%, still 20%. So that's a challenge. That's a life-giving challenge to you and I that let's all step up to the plate. There's a quote by uh, Randy Al- Alcorn. He's a pastor and uh, former pastor and author. He says, selfishness is when we pursue gain at the expense of others. But God doesn't have a limited number of treasures to distribute. When you store up treasures for yourself in heaven, it doesn't reduce the treasures available to others. But that was interesting. In fact, it is by serving God and others that we store up heavenly treasures. Everyone gains and no one loses. Don't you love that about the kingdom of God? Everyone gains, nobody loses. So <clears throat> what does the Bible say about serving God? Very quickly, just touch on five things. Serving is one of your life purposes. Serving should be one of your life purposes. Psalms 100 verse 2 and Mark 8, 35. Psalm 102 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Somebody show gladness. That's what we serve God with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And then in Mark 8, 35, Jesus said, only those who throw away their lives. Hmm. Let's say that again. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and the sake of the good news will forever know what it means to truly live. You truly want to live? Serve God. Serve his people. Serve God's purpose in your life. Well, I got to make a living. I got to, you can still do those things and serve God. Amen? <clears throat> That's a good word. Somebody say amen. See, until we really learn how to serve others, we're really not living. We're just existing. And so many people are just existing. And you've heard this before. You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give away. Number two, serving makes you more like Jesus. Matthew 20, 28. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, 
but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, <clears throat> how many know that we are all in the process of growing spiritually? And uh, some people, they accelerate and they move forward. And, and some, some of us, we feel like a little turtle. You know, our legs come out and our neck comes out. And we move a little bit and then we tuck back in. And, but at least you're moving forward. Amen. And so I want to encourage you. Some of you feel like a jackrabbit. and You take off and then you peter out. Just keep moving forward. Can you say amen? And see, here's the thing. If we don't learn how to serve others, we're really not going to grow spiritually. And I believe that spiritual maturity. In fact, I really believe the Bible even talks about that we remain a spiritual baby. We can remain babies in Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4 talks about carnal infants in Christ. So it actually identifies it. And many years ago, I did a series on growing in Christ. And uh, so I, I wrote this down. What is a spiritual baby? A spiritual infant claims to be a sincere Christian, but, the, but does not actively engage in spiritual life or follow God's word. How many know that's not who we want to be? Amen? We want to be healthy and grow up strong in the Lord. Just like all the natural babies here that are being fed and growing, we need to grow up spiritually. I think you're paying attention. That's why you're quiet. And so <laughs> a spiritual baby, you know, when I think about it, one of the things in my own life, let me just apply it to me, um, that causes me to remain like an infant in a situation. And how many know what I mean by, how, how many, don't raise your hand on this, but you've acted like an infant maybe over the last 50 years or 20 years of your life. Let me just say this last week. Come on now. <laughs> and, and I know what it's like. You, like you, thought, you thought you were a little bit more spiritual than what you were. And for me, uh, by refusing, watch this, to die to, to die to myself, to die to my flesh, I remain as a child. And the Lord has used my wife and still uses my wife many times. Amen. He'll use, come on, men. Come on now. He'll use whatever it takes to get through to us and uh, to, to penetrate our heart. But uh, not dying to our flesh. There's a very interesting verse in Hebrews. Maybe you can pull that up. Chapter 2, verse 14, that many years ago I read and really stuck with me. And the scripture says, Now since the children have flesh and blood, he too, talking about the Lord, shared in their humanity, so that by his death, somebody shout his death, it says he might destroy him who holds the power of death, which we know is Satan, right? That is the devil, it goes on to say, and watch this, grab a hold of it, it said, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. How many see that, by their fear of death? Now, forever, I always thought that that meant physical death. But I want you to just stop and not think about that. I want you to think about dying to your flesh. And now think about that verse. I've always interpreted. And how many know that's a real fear? I mean, death in the natural, a real fear. But I think it's not only applying to that. I believe there's an application even for us today. It means to die. Fear of death. In other words, we are held in bondage like a spiritual infant when we refuse to die to our flesh. Some of you just got that. Amen. Some of you go, oh, praise the Lord. Well, it's time to grow up. Amen. And, and what happens, if not, we allow pride, selfishness in, in this life. And, 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 and it says this. It says, we remain slaves all our lives. Slaves. 
because we refuse to grow up. We do laps in the wilderness and inconveniences and discomforts in our life and you know, all nuisances and things that disturb. And I can remember, I've shared this many times before, but for, for sake of visitors here today, there was a trip I took back in 2007 to Oaxaca, Mexico. And uh, we were high up in the mountains and it was a trip that I didn't plan the trip. Someone else planned it and, and uh, I didn't know what I was getting into there. And so uh, I was a little on edge. And so my son was with me and I think he was, Zach, he was probably... 12, 14, somewhere in there. He was having the time of his life. And so I show up there and there's all these kids running this, this little camp or whatever you want to call it there. And they didn't have, you know, they reused the water and it was just, a, it was an absolute disaster. It was a nightmare. It was a major flesh burner for me. I almost packed up and left to come home. I was at the point, but I thought, how is this going to affect my son? How, I mean, am I just being a, a baby and it was really, it was, it was really, really, really difficult for me. I want to communicate. It was very hard. I want you to know. Did I say I almost packed up and left? Have I said that? And, and then they, their telephone pole got knocked down. So then they came in and said, well, we got no electricity for the next four days. What? So the church, you all sent $750 down and we bought a generator and that next morning we had water. <laughs> so, I mean, we made things happen, but I, I just, the place was so chaotic. Kids were running around and I was so frustrated because I couldn't get anything accomplished. Come on, somebody. And nobody had plans. Nobody knew what we were doing. And, and you know, I knew they were reaching kids. And anyhow, my point was, as I went to whoever the director was, I don't know, and and he, I said, what can I do? I'm, I'm really not doing good. Well, what can you do? I said, I can do anything. Just tell me something. He goes, well, we have, a, we have a pig that broke down the pig pen. And uh, how about talking about the lowest you can? And he said, do you know anything about mason work? I said, I'm not a great mason, but I laid a lot of concrete and I can lay block. And, and so they had a pile of sand, they had a pile of mortar, and they had a pile of block, and it was about 100 degrees out at, you know, 5,000 elevation. And so we, my son and, and a couple others, we went out there right next to the pig and we built a pig pen and I got something down. But you know what? Something happened in my heart. I let it go to the Lord. Come on now, I released it. And I was like, okay, because uh, usually you, you just, it, it, things don't turn out good for me if I don't die to myself. You know, when I think about dying to your flesh, how many know it's, it's not easy? I'm not, I'm not trying to come across like, die to your flesh, people. It's the most agonizing thing. And I'll be the first to admit it. It's so hard. But greater is he that is in me than it's in the world. Greater is he that's in you. Can you say amen? In a study of those who were faced with impending death, in other words, if they didn't stop this certain behavior, whether stop drinking or you will die, stop smoking or you will die, or change your diet now or you will die, the vast majority of those in that study chose to risk death. In other words, when given that particular choice, 90% chose dying not to change. <laughs> this is a hard thing, but greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Amen? So the Bible says all their lives they were held in slavery by their fear of death, fear of inconvenience. Don't inconvenience me. I have my routine. Don't interrupt my routine. God will interrupt your routine. Some of your routines are being interrupted right now. Why? God is shaking us to awake us. Can you say amen? 
So someone once said, the more heaven we cherish, cherish, the less of earth we covet. Number three, serving is the highest use of your time. I have a quote by H.B. Uh, London, who was a pastor. Lord, I need you to help me to see satisfaction in service, to enjoy partnership with you, to, to delight in studying, seeking and speaking for you, and rescue me from the prison of merely doing my duty. What a powerful prayer. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. So if you want to make an impact in, in people's lives, I believe really the highest use of our time is to serve God by serving others. Can you say amen? So here's the thing. Let me just go off a little bunny trail here about serving. Your service to the Lord is never wasted. I'm going to say that again. Your, if you are greeting at a door, handing something to people and smiling, you're serving the Lord. You pick up a paper in that you say, really, Pastor Mike? People are focused on themselves. And God said, I looked for a man. I looked for a woman that would have my heart. I searched the earth and I could find none. That's not, I mean, so people really think about them. Me, myself, and I, that's, that's the majority of people think about. But not kingdom people. Can I get an amen? You think of others. And so every bit of service, it's never wasted. And here's the thing, and I just feel like to hit this too. <clears throat> Sometimes people tell you what you do, it doesn't matter, especially for the church. That's a waste. That's a, what are you doing? You offered to do so, that's a waste. It's a waste of your time. You know, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the hometown of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And that was actually, he was at Mary and Martha's home. So Mary does a very, very special and a costly thing for Jesus. And some of the onlookers looked at what, uh, what she did and said, what a waste. Now, I want you to see this. In Mark chapter 14, verse 3, while Jesus was at Bethany, I'm just going to read the passages, at the house of Simon the leper, reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of expensive scented oil from pure nod. After breaking open the jar, she poured it on his head. But some who were present angrily said at one another, why this waste of expensive oil? It could have been sold for more than a hundred, for, for, excuse me, more than a year's wages and given to the poor. Now, why don't you pull up this? I have a PowerPoint on this verse, Mark 4, excuse me, 14, 4. It says this, but there were some who were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? Somebody shout wasted. Jesus said this, he said, leave this woman alone. I remember T.D. Jakes preaching this sermon one time, and a boy, he got the crowd. I think it was a woman's conference in Atlanta. After he read this, he said, leave that woman alone. And I thought, well, that's a great entry into, why bother ye the woman? Some of you ladies just woke up. <clears throat> I'm not going to preach this message. He said, she has done a good service for me, for you will always have the poor with you. And watch this, and you can do for them whenever you want. Then he says, but you will not always have me, meaning not that Jesus leaves us, but his physical presence, right? He says, she did what she could. Say that with me. Say, she did what she could. That's all God asks of us. She did what she could. She anointed my body in preparation for my burial. And I tell you the truth, whenever this gospel is proclaimed, the whole world, that what she has done, it will be remembered. It's very sad words here. When these, these uh, onlookers said, when she poured that oil out, it said it was a waste. 
But Jesus, on the other hand, he approved. He approved of what she did, and he said, it'll always be remembered. And here we are, 2,000 years later, I'm speaking about it. And it's still going on. How many see that? Amen. So what she did was not a waste. <clears throat> and what am I trying to say? There will always be those, or sometimes some spirit, who will tell you what you do for the Lord is a waste. And here's what's very interesting that I find. Who told this woman what she did for the Lord was a waste? Pull up John chapter 12, 4, if you would. The Bible says Mary anoints Jesus, but one of his disciples, Judas, somebody shout Judas, Judas Iscariot. <laughs> so Mark doesn't tell us here, but John tells us who it was that said this. It says one of his disciples, Judas, who was going to betray him, asked, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii? Actually, uh, a denarii a day is a little piece of silver. It was about a day's wages, and it was about a year's worth of a salary. All right? So uh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of, of, of money. He says this perfume was sold, could have been sold for 300 denarii, and the money given to the poor, how pious. Judas, you, you're a very devout religious man. I mean, the poor, the poor matter. It's dumped on Jesus. Well, Jesus corrected that. <clears throat> Judas is so pious. He doesn't say this. It goes on to say, I like how the Bible even clarifies it. Jesus didn't say this because he cared about the poor, <laughs> but because he was a thief. And he didn't just say he didn't care about the poor, but he was a thief, and he was the keeper of the money bag, and he used to take from what was put in it. He stole. It's even written in the Bible about that. Man, dear God. So here's the thing about Judas. Judas was one of the original 12 disciples, the apostles, foundation. Think about that. What do we know about him? This is a second century writing. I've read the whole thing. The gospel of Judas is not true. It's Gnosticism. It's the second century religious. It talked about secret. You know, it's, it is not the gospel, and it is not a gospel record, and has to do with all secret knowledge that Jesus supposedly talked with Judas. Judas had the end, and no, 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 no. None of, it's, none of it's true. It's all been debunked. But what do we ever see Judas doing for Jesus? Nothing. Nothing good. Have you ever read where he preached a sermon or led someone to the Lord like Peter? No. He never wrote a book of the Bible, like the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of John. We never read anything about a Jesus performing a miracle. Are you with me here this morning? He never led in prayer. Judas, will you please lead out in prayer as we're about to go, you know, into Jerusalem? Nothing. Judas was someone, watch this, who never did anything for the Lord. And he's telling someone who is doing something for the Lord that it's a waste. How am I with me here this morning? Do you know why he's telling her that it was a waste serving the Lord? Because that's how he thought. He, that was his, what he felt about him serving the Lord. That's why he never did anything for the Lord, except be unfaithful and ultimately betray the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are, and I don't mean this mean and ugly, but there are people that are just like Judas who tell you going to church is a waste. You could be out on the lake, you could be coming... Going to church is a waste. That's what they think. It's a waste of time. And sometimes it's family members or friends. It can be coworkers. But I think the thing that is the most wearisome, it's very sad if it's a spouse. And you have to battle that all the time. Uh, they will tell you that praying is a waste of time. 
They will tell you, reading some book 2,000 years ago, the Bible is a waste of time. Giving money to a new church building, it's a waste. You just, you just threw it away. It's a waste. Beware, hear me, church, of the Judases who tell you that what you do for the Lord is a waste. Don't listen to them. Amen? Don't listen to them. Hebrews 6.10 says, God does not forget your labor of love. I'm gonna say that again. God does not forget your labor of love. He doesn't forget. That means God notices every effort. God knows when you give all. God knows when you come and you serve, but you're tired and you're hurting inside and you need somebody to pour into you. Can I get an amen? But you continue to give out and you, you know, not in a works mentality. God remembers everything, but out of love for the Lord. I think of the verse in Acts 10, 30. The Bible says about Cornelius as he prayed and the angel shows up and the angel says something interesting. He said, he said to Cornelius, your prayer is heard. I just want to hear you to hear that this morning. Your prayer is heard. But then the angel goes on to say something interesting. In your financial giving, God sees. Did you hear that? Your financial giving, God sees. Wow. So the greatest joy and happiness and purpose and reward in this life is living for the Lord. Can you say amen? Serving the Lord is the highest use of your time. I spent a lot on that point, but let me move quickly to number four. Serving is the secret to greatness. Matthew 20, 26. If you want to be great, you must be the servant of all others. So I believe true greatness comes from servanthood, not from living for ourselves. And really, the greatest of those that lead are those who serve the most. Can you say amen? And then number five, serving will be rewarded in heaven. Sometime I'd like to do a series on the five crowns. There are crowns that for believers you get. How many of you know that you have to kind of qualify for the crown? So there is a crown of eternal life. So everyone in the save in heaven will have that crown, but there are other crowns. How many with me say amen? Jesus said in Mark 10, 29 and 30, I can guarantee you this truth. How many know when Jesus says he guarantees, he, he, he means it? He said, I can guarantee you this truth. Anyone who gave up anything, anything, because of me and the good news will certainly receive a hundred times as much. That's the God we serve. Jesus will reward you one day for everything you've done for him. That's a guarantee. Can you say amen? I've got this quote by Rick Warren, pastor in Saddleback. He said, faithful servants never retire. You can retire from your career, but you never retire from serving God. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would, please. God wants us to think differently about the eternal. Romans 12, 10 and 11, the Bible says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo yourself. See it right there? Outdo yourself in honoring one another. Do not let your zeal subside. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's life-giving in a life-giving way. So one of the questions here this morning, how passionate are you about serving the Lord? Well, Pastor Mike, it's really not, really not that high. Well, you can begin. You can begin. I think one tremendous way you can begin is reading the Word of God on a consistent basis. I said that with a smile. Because we all need to grow spiritually. And how are we going to grow unless you have spiritual food in your spirit, man or woman? You know, it says 31% of Americans have never read the Bible. And 10% read it less than once a year. So one of the questions here is, could your enthusiasm use a boost? And so one, what, are, what are the ways that you're serving now? Are you serving now? 
And we know that gratitude should be the motivator that we serve. <clears throat> Think of the great preacher, he's an English missionary. He served the Lord, Thomas Studd, C.T. Studd, back in the late 1800s. He had a motto, you can pull that off, and his motto was, if Jesus Christ is God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Every head bowed, please, this morning. C.T. Studd also said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Mm. Challenge here today, and I'm so thankful many of you serve and continue to serve because you love God, because of gratitude in your heart. Not of a works mentality or a legalistic, but you know what? I really even feel God is even pulling on, I don't know, call it the 20%, whatever. He loves you, but he's, he's stirring, putting a fire underneath you and making you a little uncomfortable, a little uneasy this morning. That's okay. Maybe you're watching online and you think, wow, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just living for me, myself, and I. You can begin today. You can begin again. You can begin afresh and new and say, you know what? Ask the Lord, Lord, where can I serve? How can I be a blessing to your kingdom? Whatever it may be. You're here this morning as a pastor. I don't, I'm not right with God. The Bible uses the term backslid. Not following the Lord, living for yourself. You've wandered away. But you just feel, you know what, I need to get, I need to get back in sync. What do I do? The first step is the most important. That's surrendering your life afresh and new to Christ Jesus. You have the power. God has given you the power. He has given you the authority over your life. Believe it or not, but it's true. Scripture says it. To change your eternal destiny. You have that authority on the, in this life. After that, it's over. The Bible says that He desires all men and women to come to salvation. So you have a choice. Each one of you has a choice. There are many believers here today, but there's some, maybe not. You're not wholly surrendered to the Lord. You've never, you've never given your life to the Lord. You never prayed to accept Christ into your life. You've never, as the Bible says, it uses a term that Christians use, born again. You've heard it before. Heard it many times. Oh, but he's born again. What does that mean? Well, born again. It means you surrendered your life and you took yourself out of the driver's seat and you put Christ in it. I really feel there's some people here today need to make that choice, decision. It'll be the greatest decision in your life here on out if you make a decision to accept Christ, to repent of your sin, and to follow Him. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I need the Lord. And I'm going to take that step of faith. I got a lot of questions. I need some answers. But I'm going to take that step of faith. Pray with me as we pray corporately here. You're not joining this church, but you will be joining the family of God. The Bible says, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. In Jesus' name. If that's you here this morning, say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your presence. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. 
Amen.